stop thinking about it as something that you have to do and start thinking about it as something you could become. You cannot do this overnight. I did not do this overnight. This started by interviewing people, Amish people, farmers, bioscientists, chemists, engineers, biologists, and asking questions and realizing, oh, this relates to that. Stop believing that you have to know everything. Failure is hypercritical in farming. You don't want to do that again, but you need to know. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. We have a special treat today because we are actually going to be talking with a guest that we've spoken to before. Joining us today is Jim Bruner, um, who is the farmer extraordinaire of one of Columbus's gyms in the city. We have a certified urban farm right in the middle of downtown called Mezzacello. And this is the oasis that was created by Jim and his stealthy and innovative crew uh, who are all around him making it possible. And we asked Jim to join us today to talk about a program that he did um, at Mezzicello last summer. And as he's gearing up uh, for this summer's activities with urban kids around farming, we wanted to hear about uh, last summer, what he learned um, and those lessons and how they're going to be applied to the way he's thinking about innovative programming for students for this summer because we know summer camps are gearing up all over the country and around the world for places that uh, school um, are on the uh, sort of the northern hemisphere sort of time frame. And so what that means is we're trying to figure it all out to do the most amazing programming experiences that we can for kids. And so we want to take those lessons learned from Jim so the rest of the world, we can all apply them, um, not make the same mistakes that he has made and celebrating the joys that he's had along the way. So Jim, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Very Absolutely. So, Jim, um, for our listeners who come to us from all over the world, let's uh, set the stage. Tell us, uh, what the heck is this thing called Mezzicello, and why on earth would it be in the middle of an urban environment like Columbus, Ohio? So, Mezzicello is, as Annalise said, a certified 501c3 urban farm that I created from three lots in literally downtown Columbus. Um, there were two vacant lots that had houses on them. And the, one of the houses burned down. The other house had termites, so they tore it down. <laughs> and so we bought the land. Nobody wanted the land because, frankly, nobody wanted to remove the uh, stone rubble foundations. And when Rick and I bought the land, we knew, we knew then we wanted both a garden and a farm. And I knew that I wanted to really explore where we could go with urban ag because uh, because of medical conditions that affect me, I knew that food was going to be an issue. And so I'm curious and passionate about growing food. And one of the side effects of living in downtown Columbus, Crow, it's easy to get around. You can walk to the symphony. Every theater, the opera, the ballet, everything is right there. Con, there are no grocery stores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I knew I needed to grow food. So Rick and I decided from day one, 
we were going to focus on beauty and sustenance. Rick does the beauty in front and behind me is what Rick refers to as North Korea, which every day becomes more and more advanced. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's where I grow all my food, where I keep my animals. And it's where I really focus my efforts on training young people in an urban environment, suburban, rural, and urban, how to understand and work with food. And that's what I did last summer because of PAST and the Ohio Farm Bureau Foundation. So before we get into the actual programming, um, just to sort of set a little bit additional context. So, you know, are we talking about, you know, a spread the size of Texas or a postage stamp? Because what does three lots really mean to the rest of the world? So, I mean, what are we talking about in terms of acreage here? Just so everybody understands what we're talking about. Certainly. 30 meters on the front, 48 meters on the side. So 75 feet on the front, 150 feet on the side is the land that I'm dealing with. It's less than a third of an acre. Um, Less than a third of an acre, and you've turned it into an actual producing farm. A self-enclosed sustainable ecosystem with seven components to it that all feed into each other and do more than one thing. If you don't do more than one thing here at Mezzicello, you don't belong. Wow. That's that's pretty impressive just, just alone. So, okay. So with, with that in mind, sort of let's talk a little bit about the programming. So, you know, you ran a very successful program last summer um, with kiddos. So share with us a little bit about what that was. And more importantly, what, what did you learn from that experience that's informing what you're going to do this year? And we'll close out with what the plans for this year look like. So give us a sense of, you know, what was it that you were doing and how, how or why did you think about it um, in terms of the way you did the implementation? Yeah. Uh, So one thing that happened that was marvelous is the PASS Foundation, because at working with the PASS Foundation, I learned a problem is not an end. It's actually the beginning of a journey. Mm -hmm. And so I had this, I, I wanted to solve a problem. And I thought the summer camps that I was applying for a grant with the Ohio Farm Bureau Foundation uh, Youth Pathways and Agriculture Grant. I thought it was going to be about teaching kids how to farm. Mm-hmm. And it's easy, super easy. Show them, and then they walk away, and you hope they implement it, right? What actually happened was the Farm Bureau Foundation wanted me to create camps around in uh, getting kids really thinking about what careers would come from agriculture. And that was that was a reframing of the problem for me. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting opportunity because I created what I thought were the 12 perfect careers. Perfect. No problem. Perfect careers for young kids to be interested in if they wanted to be in agriculture in a city. They created 35 others. (laughs) And so that was quite a surprise. The teachers that I was working with um, who were helping me implement these programs were frantically writing up new career pathways that frankly, I had never thought about. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorites uh, is a young kid, uh, a young man who came and knew nothing about ag, nothing. He was terrified of chickens. Uh, (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) Especially. Uh, But uh, he wanted to be a tattoo artist and a rapper, right? (laughs) So language was important to him and so were tattoos. But when we talked about and we looked at the Arduino Uh, circuit sets and the Raspberry Pis and all the technology, he realized that all circuit boards are tattoos. And so now he wants to be a nanolithographer who will print circuits 
at such high resolution that the frequency of light is the problem. And he knows that. And I exposed them to that. And that, that's one of many. But mm-hmm. nanolithographer was something I would never in a million years have dreamed would be a career associated with urban ag. And that was the power of the programming from last summer. It was, I thought it was going to go this way. And as most parents uh, and people and teachers can attest, it's going to go 90 degrees, right? Yeah. And it did. It did. I had a mortician. Her, her father is a mortician. Her family's are family morticians who realize you're not going to need morticians on Mars. You're going to need carbon. Mm-hmm. So they pivoted to pathologists and microbiologists because that carbon needs to be reused. It's, that was amazing to me. Just allow children to dream and mm-hmm. give them the data and see what they say. Mm-hmm. Listen to them. Listen to them. Don't tell them what you think it's going to be. Listen to them. And then give them duties and tasks and make them work together and see what happens. Yeah. And it is a lot of what I, I loved, you know, getting the chance to, to visit, sort of see it in action. And I, I, can, I can also want, want to share with our listeners a couple of the sort of foundational ways that we we worked together um, on the program. And I do, do want to just really sort of stress. So, you know, oftentimes nonprofits or schools or communities will join up with community endeavors. So in this case, Mezzicello, a certified urban farm, which also happens to be a nonprofit, but an organization that doesn't specialize in education per se, right? And and also recognizing that, you know, when you form these kinds of partnerships for the purposes of an amazing opportunity in the community uh, with kids, for kids, around kids, um, but for adults as well. There, there's a there's a certain um, there's a certain amount of sort of training and support that has to go, and it has to go multiple directions at the same time. So, for example, um, you know, Jim is not himself a school teacher, right? He's a passionate guy who who loves working with kids. He's super super innovative. Um, he's also involved directly in the Past Foundation day to day. He's been involved with an invention convention. There's just a whole host of things um, that that Jim has gotten involved with over the years to involve um, innovation and students exploring the world. So he had a natural propensity for this type of programming. And yet, you know, it would be, um, it would almost be criminal to have just let him loose and said, hey, teach a program and we're just going to hope it all works out, right? It was the infrastructure and the support structure that we were able to put around it, both PASS as an organization and the Farm Bureau for their funding that made a big sort of chunk of what Jim was just talking about possible, including the inclusion of two amazing young ag teachers who came to participate and partner with Jim. And quite frankly, I mean, I would argue, Jim, in many ways, without these two teachers, standing side by side with you and influencing the way that you were thinking and modifying the program. And as you said, running out and designing new modules because a new career had just been developed because of a kid's interest, it would have been a much, much different lift. So share with us a little about the integration of the experience of of these these teachers coming on board to be your right hands in this endeavor. No doubt. No lies detected here. Paige and Sam were absolutely crucial because I don't know anything about pedagogy. You're right. I'm an informal educator and I I run on instant. Paige and Sam worked with the program with me and said, okay, you can run these kids for, you know, seven hours a day, but you have to give them periods to play. And it was in the play where 
the most interesting learning happened because that's the moment when the kids let their guard down and mm-hmm. they're with each other. And Paige was a master at creating games tied to what we had just done, right? Mm-hmm. And Sam uh, lives on a sheep farm. So she had a lot of insight uh, uh, for uh, those programs. Mm-hmm. And I will do that again, for sure. I will never work without a certified teacher again because uh, you know, they get a lot of slack and they get a lot of flack, but teachers really do understand the way kids work. Mm-hmm. And I do not, I understand mm-hmm. how to motivate kids and I know what inspiration and, and artistry look like, but I, I really do credit past foundation and the farm bureau foundation for teaching me, listen, listen to the kids, listen to the teachers, find a way to match that both. And if I had to do that again, I would pick those teachers again, but I would also teach a physical education or choose a physical education major mm-hmm. or a physical mm-hmm. training major because I and I know about energy. I know how much energy it takes to run a farm. Children are nothing but curiosity yeah. and energy. Yeah. And I underestimated that to my peril. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I had Paige and Sam there to, you know, help me gauge. We need a 15-minute break here. These kids may need to blow off heat, right? Um, so it was a great, it was a wonderful learning opportunity. And it was also a great learning opportunity for me because I developed all these systems that were easy for me to use. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to integrate them into other systems because, frankly, it works for me, right? Right. And what do I need to do to make it work for others? The Farm Bureau Foundation grant, um, the Ohio Farm Bureau Foundation grant, also gave me the opportunity to do tours, and presentations. And I had kids from other communities who hadn't experienced my camps asking questions that I hadn't considered, right? So I have a whole pedagogy and vocabulary now where I think about the things that I'm doing and how to talk about them to those communities that aren't ready Mm -hmm. for the transformational opportunity I had last summer. Right. And so one of the other things that you mentioned that I just want to set some context for because it will be confusing. So share with us sort of the the theme or the topic of last summer's camps because you you mentioned this whole thing about Mars and they're going to be, what are you talking about? What does that have to do with urban agriculture? So, um, you know, give our listeners just a little bit of context. What was the premise of last summer's camps? Yeah. So last summer's camp were, it had two titles. The first one was BioLego because I wanted each module to like tie into each other. The second one was urban ag tech because I really wanted kids to see the relationship between farming and what's coming next for them. Mm-hmm. They will not necessarily be living on earth. Right. Some of them may be working in low earth orbit. Some of them may be part of project Artemis on the moon. Some of them may be the, the people working or the parents of children who are going to be going to Mars. Nature needs fundamental things, bio Legos, right? Mm-hmm. She needs these things for life to function. I wanted to teach that, but through the lens that you won't always be in what the kids call automagic earth, where things will just grow. You have to make environments that will work. The environment that I live in is is not hospitable to life. Mm -hmm. It's clay. It's been compacted over 200 years of constant occupation. I had to revitalize every square meter of this space, especially where I grow food. And that seemed perfect to me as an analogy mm-hmm. for what it would be like to grow food on Mars. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of the components that I used in the, in the urban ag tech was diatomaceous earth. 
which if you know anything about farming, it's plankton shells, Mm -hmm. really, really sharp. And farmers use it to destroy parasites and bacteria, but you also need it in your gut because it cuts away things. It's very sharp and it hasn't, uh, it's dried and it hasn't been uh, eroded by water. However, when you mix it with water and dirt, it becomes really rich soil. And I wanted kids to see the relationship between if you don't have earth, if you don't have dirt, you can make soil. Compost, diatomaceous earth, and manure with water will make the perfect soil matrix for you. Mm -hmm. And so that was the lens I was working in. And the kids got it. The Farm Bureau Foundation was a little bit like, "Mm, what? Uh, (laughs) The robot, which is behind me, the two windmills, that actually produces compost for me magically, Mm -hmm. automatically, um, using engineered robotics and solar and wind power and green and brown uh, materials and diatomaceous earth. And after 35 days, it's compost. Mm -hmm. And 10 more days with rain and more dirt, it becomes the perfect growing medium. Yeah. The kids saw that relationship and they're like, oh, I see. Mm -hmm. You can create healthy environments and food actually needs certain things. And I think on at least the most profound experience I had both times I ran the camp last summer was what kids were bringing to eat at the beginning of the camp, Hostess Twinkies, mm-hmm. bologna, and what they were bringing at the end, quinoa, fresh vegetables, nothing in plastic wrappers, because they of, knew. Of their, own, of their own choosing, right? You never said a thing. They just suddenly started shifting the way that they were bringing their yeah. snacks and their lunches. There were no more Kroger bags, no more plastic bags. They were reusable bags mm-hmm. or paper bags that they knew they could put into compost and could feed the animals and cause them no harm. That's a huge win, right? And that's one of those passive wins. And in many ways, probably a win that's going to be more um, uh, sustaining for those individual students. So that's a great, great segue because my next question for you is really around um, the surprises that you had. I, you know, I know for a fact there were some ahas. Um, you know, this really gets to those lessons that you learned. So, so Jim, what did you learn from the kids that you were not expecting? Um, things that you know ultimately change the way you think about doing programming in the future. Yeah, well, I mentioned one of them. It was understanding that kids need time to be kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they need time to play. They need time to reason through what they've felt and what they're experiencing and talk to each other. And, and these intimate, are middle school kids, right? Middle school. Age yeah, middle nine. School. Nine was my youngest. And my oldest was 13. Yeah. And it's a vast gulf of experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the one thing they share is they have no agency in their world. What right? does that mean, Jim? What, what do you mean by that? They, they're told what to do. They're not mm-hmm. asked, what should we do? Right? Let's solve this problem together. And I found, and I knew this from my work with uh, inventors and adventure convention, but I hadn't experienced it so intimately in mm-hmm. a enclosed ecosystem, literally. Um, the kids, they want to be the answer. They want to. And, but they need to know, one, that they can, and two, that when they are, they'll be listened to. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was removing myself from the equation. When they come up with a solution, don't tell them why it's not going to work. Tell them, make it work, mm-hmm. and then have them work together and have them tell you why it didn't work. Right. That's a profound shift in education, in my opinion. I don't need to be the expert. I did not need to be the expert. 
I did not. I was not the expert. Mm -hmm. Those kids were actually better at seeing what they were doing and how it was going to impact their future than I was. Because like I said, I picked 10 careers, they picked 35 others. And they're all valid. Mm -hmm. So, And also working with a community gardens out in the community, the questions I got from the kids were surprising. Because again, I hadn't thought about it from their perspective. So, so give us an example. So, for example, one, oh, one example was, well, okay, so if we have a raised bed and we put dirt in it, why do we need to water it? Because the forest doesn't water itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. They don't. And when you reach your hand down in there, it does feel wet. However, it, if it doesn't rain, you do need to provide some source for moisture for that. Well, yeah, so the plant will grow. No, it's not about the plants at all. It's really about the worms and the microorganisms in the soil. And they had not made that connection. Mm -hmm. It is above, so it is below. It's really about the health of the soil. And they're like, oh, so the fertilizer is actually doing something other than making plants grow? Yeah, (laughs) it's drawing life to the roots. And the plants grow as a side effect of that. Mm-hmm. That is something in their in their world they had never experienced. Everything happened to them. It didn't happen as a result of them. And that was a profound shift for me, understanding that kids, that agency, which is such an important concept to me now, uh, is really important to identify for them. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about that shift a little bit because not only was it profound for you the urban farmer, um, and obviously it's going to be profound for the kids who are participating in the programs or the visitors that are coming to the farm, but ultimately this experience is transformative for the teachers who participated, right? So you, you mentioned the two teachers, the ag teachers that were working closely with you, um, but they, they, they walked away from this experience um, and often to their own classrooms, right, um, with some profound opportunities as well. So what have you heard from them? And then we're going to shift and talk about this coming summer, but what do you hear from them in terms of long-term impacts to the program that they were able to do with you, to share with you, to be part of with you? Absolutely. They have become friends, by the way. We're mm-hmm. on Insta and Snap, and uh, we, t- we talked. Paige was really profoundly impacted by the idea of children as leaders, mm-hmm. children choosing leaders, and that leadership requires followers that will support the passion of a leader. But a leader has to be a good leader to begin with. Mm -hmm. What does it take to make leadership? So she was part of a fellowship in Israel um, last year about leadership in youth across conflict zones. So she took what we did here to Israel, and now Mm -hmm. she's teaching that in Cincinnati public schools. That's awesome. And uh, Sam started an entire STEM program uh, outside of Cincinnati and Hamilton County, basically teaching young people how to transform their school ground into enclosed ecosystems. And she finished out that year, and now she's in Utah building a new school around that entire concept. That is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So direct output of what we did over the summer. That is amazing. Okay, so so now let's shift gears. Let's talk about this summer. So you learned an awful lot. So so share with us a little bit about what this summer is going to look like and why you made some of the choices you've made. Absolutely. So one of the big changes this summer is a shortening of the frequency of the camps 
because two weeks is a long time for middle school kids um, to, to focus on one thing, right? And I, in my training at past, two weeks, 10 days is the perfect amount of time for a project. But summer camp is different because mm-hmm. they also want to have fun, right? Mm-hmm. So we've shortened it to one week. We took three design challenges and built them around four core concepts. The first one is veterinary technology keeping animals healthy mm-hmm. and integrating them into an ecosystem, right? The second one is bioengineering. How much bioengineering is in nature and how does that spill into life mm-hmm. in the modern world? The third one is renewable energy. You can see all the renewable energy around me right now. My entire farm at this point is off grid, not my house, but my farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fourth one is biochemistry. And how does our immune system interact with the ecosystem and the food and the chemicals and all the molecular uh, interplay between life and, and our health, how does that interact? Mm-hmm. So really big design challenges around that. The second one is that uh, because we're doing a shorter period of time and the design challenges are tighter, I realized I probably want more hands. Mm-hmm. So I have two teachers um, and I have four interns from last year. We're coming back this year and volunteering and they're attending camps for free and their entire job is to serve as near peer and peer-to-peer mentors. These are kids that are coming back. These are kids from last year's camp who are coming back as your interns for this year's camp. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I mean, mentorship is critical because you're going to change the world. You've got to change the world or teach the world what change looks like. Mm -hmm. 100%. This is a safe way to do that. Yeah. You can't be what you can't see. And these kids are going to come and they're just going to say, it's okay. It's, this seems like it can't be done. Watch this. Boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And then the teachers are there to support. And second, it's built-in leadership. These yeah. kids already know how to lead. And they know how to lead without being um, mean about it. Mm-hmm. They understand that leadership is marshalling fear and putting it to use for the betterment of everybody there. It's not about power. It's about guidance. Mm -hmm. Making the world a better place, right? It is. And so an amazing opportunity. So if you had to step back from from the last summer and so what you're anticipating, you know, coming for this summer, you step back from it, you know, sort of the 100,000-foot view, and you think about the long-term potential or impact to the community for having participated in, orchestrated, and completed um, these types of programs, where do you think the value add is back to your community? It's in three places. The first is data. I taught all the kids here, record everything. Uh, a good colleague of mine, Dr. B, if you had, if you didn't document it, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So every experiment they did was documented and, and recorded. The, the second piece is that all of this can be done anywhere. It's modular. Mm-hmm. And my vision for Mezzicello is to be the first of many. Sorry, I'm still open from an interview earlier today. Um, to be the first of many learning labs across the city that are sharing resources and data and technology and opportunities with others. Mm-hmm. It, nothing happens in a vacuum. As a matter of fact, nature abhors a vacuum. The third is I really want other communities, other neighborhoods to start thinking of themselves as part of a larger whole. I can provide you this if you can provide me that. And I can give you this grace if you give me that grace. Mm-hmm. And the applied STEM opportunities for kids that have never experienced this and it popping up in an entirely new place. So I really want to work with the uh, Columbus Land Bank 
and find these areas that if we popped a bioreactor and we popped a rain barrel system and we put compost there, what would happen? Mm -hmm. How could we train those community gardens to stop thinking about auto magic food? We'll grow it over the summer and we're done. Mm -hmm. That's really not the way it works. <laughs> that's not the way anything works, right? Right, right. Summer romance. And <laughs> that's not real either. So I want to teach kids to be realists and have fun and make good food and become leaders mm -hmm. for the future that we need for tomorrow. And advocates for their community, right? Because the reality is there are lots of places in the world, um, urban and otherwise, um, that are in fact food deserts. And we know that high quality food is a problem. It's an an access issue. It's an equity and a social justice issue in many, many parts of the world. So mm -hmm. I would argue that one of the things you're providing to the community is, is lens into the fact that that problem can be locally solved, but we have to roll up our sleeves quite literally and figuratively, and we have to teach the community how to solve this problem for themselves. I, I really do passionately believe we need to make space for kids to teach the parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. This is what we, we children, this is what we need to survive in the future that's coming. And not that it's bad. It's just that we've taken food for granted for too long. Mm -hmm. And it's time for people to start thinking about food as, a, as valuable a resource as money and gas and power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so last question. I always like to, to close the program recognizing that the majority of our listeners are teachers, um, and there are teachers who are digging in, right, and thinking about amazing things that they can do with their kids. They're passionate about doing innovative things, but they don't always have the resources or the local partner. They can hear about this great thing that we're talking about on Learning Unboxed and go, that's really awesome, but I don't have an urban farm. I don't have, you know, a past foundation. I don't have, you know, one of these other things that are in the community, but I'm willing to get started anyway, right? And so how do I translate my first two or three steps um, as a teacher in a place that doesn't have these resources in my own school to take what is happening with the amazing Jim Bruner and Mezzicello and make it my own? What, what would, what's your advice to that teacher who says, I want to do it, but I don't know how to start? Stop thinking about it as something that you have to do and start thinking about it as something you could become. Mm -hmm. You cannot do this overnight. I did not do this overnight. This started by interviewing people, Amish people, farmers, bioscientists, chemists, engineers, biologists, and asking questions and realizing, oh, this relates to that. Stop believing that you have to know everything. Mm -hmm. Failure is hypercritical in farming. You don't want to do that again, but you need to know. And third, you do not need to be the answer. Nature will answer if you ask the right questions. Just reframe what the challenge is. It's not about creating a farm. It's not about recreating Mezzicello. It's about understanding what life fundamentally needs. And then how do you ask children to learn that? Mm -hmm. How do you learn it? And rethink that. And it will be much, much easier. But no plant grows overnight. Mm -hmm. No seed gives a tree tomorrow. And it's also a lot of fun, right? You know, learning alongside your children is one of the most powerful things. And we've heard this from teachers over and over again. You know, when I let go of the need to have to be the sage on the stage, the all-knowing, and instead I roll up my sleeves and say, I don't know, but let's learn together, it is a magical, magical journey. And that magic happens 
every day on Mezzicello. Um, so Jim, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to share your story, um, to join us in the conversation about what makes amazing teaching and learning in um, really innovative and not so familiar places. I love it. You know that I love this. This is my passion. So thank you for the opportunity. And to all those teachers out there, one day at a time. Start one day at a time. Absolutely. Thank you, Jim. All right. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin. And join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.